Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise the Lord. In your Bibles tonight, go back to 1 Timothy. I believe that's where we were last week. Talking about all things church-related. The Apostle Paul writing in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But these things write I unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now notice this. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I like it in the Amplified. Let me read it in the Amplified. Verse 14 here. It says, Although I hope to come uh, to you before long, I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I am detained you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and stay, the prop and support of the truth. Now listen, without the church, the truth does not go forth. Amen. It says, And great is the controversy and weighty, we confessed, is the hidden truth and mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh, justified, vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen of angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. Now, we must understand a little bit about the history of what was going on. There was a predominant move of God first amongst the Jewish people that took place, uh, of course we know the 120 uh, came out of the upper room empowered by the Holy Ghost. Uh, Acts chapter 2 was not the beginning of the church, it was the empowerment of the church. The beginning of the church was in John chapter 20 when the Spirit of God through Jesus said He breathed on them. They received the Holy Ghost. And then He said, Whosoever sins are, uh, that you remit are remitted. Whosoever you retain are retained. So though that was about what? The remission of sin, which is the new birth. So the church began in John chapter 20, was empowered and sent out in Acts chapter 2. Amen. Now predominantly it was the Jewish people that received salvation received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and Jewish congregations, especially in Jerusalem, where doctrine was being established, began to grow. Now, what's unique about that is this. They had an understanding because of temple worship of how to behave toward God. Reverence was taught them. Honor was taught them. All types of, of, uh, uh, of protocol from temple worship, as a matter of fact, became a hindrance to them later on, but they knew how to conduct themselves in the house of the Lord. There was an order that they had because of Jewish tradition and of their Jewish roots. Well, God broke out of the Gentile, uh, excuse me, of the Jewish nation and touched the Gentile nation. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. It began. And Gentile churches, like the church at Antioch, began to be formed. The church at Ephesus is one. Uh, The church at Corinth. Uh, The church at Thessalonica. Uh, The church at Philippi. These were all Gentile congregations. Now these people were coming out of just rank sin. Amen? Ephesus especially. Corinth especially. These were two 
extremely perverse cities. I mean, they were just as perverse as they could be. There were, there were brothels and places of prostitution. There was temple worship to the god Diana. That was all sexual sin that was being committed. And these places were awash with perversion. Now, people that participated with that type of, of behavior, and even the occult. Remember there in, in, the, in the book of Acts, uh, the silversmiths got all mad at Paul because he had got so many people saved, they weren't able to sell their little silver statues of the, uh, of the, of the goddess Diana anymore, and they, they liked to have a riot over that. They were burning books. They were burning occultic books and, and all that kind of stuff, and they were getting saved, but they were coming into the church, and they didn't have a clue how to act. Both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are books of correction to the church and showing people, now listen, the church is the government of God on the earth. We must understand that. The church is, and it's not a democracy, it's a theocracy. Jesus said very plainly in Matthew chapter 16, He said, you know, uh, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Acts 20, 28 says that He purchased the church with His very own blood. That's pretty important. I don't think there's anything more valuable in the universe than the blood of Jesus. Amen. So, so the Holy Ghost, now listen, the Holy Ghost by the Word of God the Holy Ghost by the Word of God. Now, this is kind of a hard thing. Well, not a hard thing, but maybe something that you might, even, might not even think is relevant. But it is. I think it is relevant if we understand it. When I say the Holy Ghost by the Word of God, instead of the Word of God by the Holy Ghost. Now, let me, let me say that again. The Holy Ghost by the Word of God, instead of the Word of God by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are things we do. We teach and preach the Word of God. God watches over His Word to perform it, and He releases the power of the Holy Ghost to confirm the Word. Now, think about this. The church was birthed in two great doctrines, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power in the name of Jesus. But before we ever had doctrinal information on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power in the name of Jesus we had manifestation of it. Now that 120, you say, what do you mean? That 120, they didn't have a lot of teaching on the baptism in the Holy Ghost. How'd they know to speak in tongues? Well, the Spirit gave them utterance. Somebody opened their mouth. Gave their voice to it. I guarantee you, when they did it, probably spread like wildfire. Next thing you know, tongues of fire sitting on top of each and every one of them. Then when Peter and John went to the gate, beautiful, and raised up that crippled man, and said, such as we have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Well, they released the power in the name of Jesus that healed that cripple that had been crippled from his mother's womb. But they didn't, they didn't have any teaching on the name of Jesus other than what Jesus had given them. They didn't have that which was in the letters to the church that talk about Jesus getting his name through, through, through combat, winning it through defeating the devil, that, that he got it conferred upon him, and that he got it through inheritance. That was not in the Word of God. So the Spirit did things. The church entered into it. And then the Word of God came and confirmed and showed us exactly what was going on. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God by the Word of God. Are you with me? The Spirit of God has to do it that way because God knew that this dispensation would last at least 2,000 years. That people would change. Cultures would change. Technology would change. All types of things would change. And there would have to be adjustments by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, in order to make the... We don't have church the way they had it in Jerusalem 
after they had it, after the 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost and 3,000 were saved. Actually, they had church every day from house to house. Place to place. Everybody in the church sold everything they had and put it in one big pile. People say, well, why don't we just do that today? Well, go ahead. You make the first move. <laughs> we'll see how many people follow you. Amen. <laughs> no, that was something they did back then. They did it by the Spirit through the Word. They were, there, was a, there was an unction to do that. Uh, not only that, as the church grew, uh, the apostles saw there needed to be a, a, a ministry of helps. Inspired by the Spirit of God. Not God chose, they chose. Men among them, and I'm sure there were women also among them, that were full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, and they became the ministry of helps. And many of those men and women were just as anointed by the Holy Ghost as the apostles were. Amen. Well, we should have that today, by the Spirit through the Word of God. See what I'm saying? So when we begin to understand these things, that the Spirit will move to create a certain flavor of a move of God. Now, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to get caught up in trying to be an echo of something that took place in the past. You know, there was a powerful prophet of God named William Brannan. I don't know if any ever heard, ever heard of William Brannan. A lot, a lot of people have. William Brannan was, was one of the most phenomenal ministers, uh, especially when it came to, to the working of miracles uh, that ever walked on the planet. I mean, he was just had this awesome ministry. And uh, he was convinced by people around him that he should become a teacher and teach the Word of God. Well, when he did that, he stepped outside of his office. And when he stepped outside of his office, you know who was waiting there? Satan was waiting there to destroy him. And sure enough, uh, he was killed in an automobile accident. But even to this day, there are groups of people over in East Texas and Western Louisiana that don't go to church anywhere. They don't meet anywhere. They sit around and listen to old reel-to-reel services of William Brandon meetings. They never have left what God was doing back in the late 1950s, early 1960s. They, call, they actually have a name for them. They call them Brandonites. Have you ever heard of that? And, they, and that's all they do. They think that he was the Elijah that should come, that he actually even went out like Elijah did because he went over a cliff and his car exploded. He says, well, he went out in a chariot of fire. He didn't. He died in a car accident. And there's no reason to try to be an echo of what he did. There's no reason to be an echo of Oral Roberts. There's no reason to be an echo of Kenneth Hagin. Now, that doesn't mean we don't draw off of their faith. But when it comes to what we're doing in this day and hour, we have to let the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, bring us into that which God's called us to do and us to be in this day and hour. Listen, I, and I've said this recently several times, religion is those which celebrate what God did yesterday while denying what He's doing today. So we're kind of in a, in, a, in, a, in a, how could you say this? We're kind of in a free fall right now trying to figure out what that is, where that is, how that applies, how that operates. And listen, we've got to be open to the Holy Ghost. So that God, through His Son Jesus, can make the church what He wants it to be in this day and hour. Now, go over to the book of Ephesians. I thought this would be a good direction to go tonight. Got a couple of minutes left. Ephesians. Let me see what I did with my... Ephesians chapter... I want to... Just some things about the church in the book of Ephesians. I like the book of Ephesians, and that's one of the reasons I studied it and showed. Look at chapter 1. Let's begin there. Chapter 1. Now, right in the middle of that prayer that we pray, 119, what is the exceeding greatness of His power 
Everybody say His power. To us were to believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Now notice this. And set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Now notice this. And hath put all things under His feet, and I love this, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth in all in all. Now, now listen to it in the Amplified. Verse 22. He has put all things under His feet and has appointed Him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church which is His body, now I like this part, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all, for in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with Himself. Now that one scripture can get you anything you need from God by recognizing I don't belong to a church. I am the church. We are the church. The people are the church. And when we recognize that, we recognize there is a headship that is headed up in Christ. He is the head. Now look, when you, when you we'll, we'll be finished here in 10-15 minutes. Your body is not going to get up and walk out and your head stay in that chair. Hopefully not. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Nor will your head get up and roll out the door. What was that joke I used to tell about the head? Remember that? Everybody used to have that same look when I used to tell it. Oh yeah, I remember. There was a grape rolling down the street. He was tired of being a grape. So he rolled into a witch's house. And he told this witch, I'm tired of being a grape. She said, what do you want to be? She said, he said, I want to be a head. She said, okay, so she turned him to a head. So he rolled out the door and into the street, and a truck ran over him. Moral of the story, quit while you're ahead. I got it backwards. I got it backwards. He was a head, but then he got turned into a grape. And he rolled out in the street, and a truck ran over it. So the moral of the story is quit while you're ahead. There you go. It's been a long time. That was an old joke from a long time ago. Amen. But the moral of it is your head stays connected to your body. And you know, understanding a little bit about the cardiovascular system of our body, we know that every blood, you know, blood, all the blood that's in our head goes down to our feet, back up to our... Is there's a continual flow. Everybody say a continual flow. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. Now, the problem with religion and denominationalism is they recognize Jesus as the corporate head. Like a, like, like, like a president or a, or, a, or, a, or a head of a corporation or a, you know, somebody's the head of, of, of Ford Motor Company or, or, or Apple Computers or, or the head of the nation, the president of the United States. But, but, but Jesus is not just the corporate head. He's the organic head of the church. You must understand there is an organic connection. You say, now how can you use the word organic? Because it's spiritual. 
spirit to spirit. He abides in you through the new birth. He empowers you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. By the Spirit of God, who is God Himself, you are connected to the head. He is the head and He fills all the body full of Himself. So healing's in the head. So healing's in the body. So salvation is in the head. Salvation's in the body. So joy's in the head. Joy's in the body. So prosperity. Everything the body needs is in the head. And there is a continual flow from the head into the body as long as the body allows it. Now that's, that's, listen, that's been the number one tactic of our adversary, the devil, over the years is to turn off that flow from the head. I can't let that flow from the head continue. Can't let that salvation continue. Can't let that healing continue. I mean, I'm amazed at the people. All these denominations that you can know. They don't believe in divine healing. They don't believe in laying on of hands. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And it's all documented in the Bible. Not only the revelation of it, the application of it, the demonstration of it, and the testimony of it. Here it is. Here's how it works. Here's how it works in your life. And here's what it'll do. And people come and say, well, that's not for today. I like what I heard a guy say years ago friend of mine, I did several camp meetings with him, but he made this statement. He said, all erroneous doctrine comes from unanswered prayer. He said, you trace the roots back to, to, the, to the time in which the denominations begin to discount healing and you'll find some preacher that was believing God to heal his wife or his grandmother or his mother and, and they died and determined, well, because they didn't, they didn't get healed, then healing's not for today. Listen, people's failure to receive that's why you can never serve God based on what people do or do not receive. You serve God based on who He is. Amen. That's, that's just like salvation. Can everybody be saved? Absolutely. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall everybody can be saved. Does everybody get saved? No. Can everybody get healed? Absolutely. Jesus was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, chastised one of our peace with somebody. Not only does healing come to us, it works through us. Amen. But not everybody gets healed. It's a choice that you make. It's part of your identity in the kingdom of God. And that's why these redemptive truths are so powerful because it helps you to recognize and realize that my connection to God is not just a theological aspect, a theological you know, supposition. It's not just a theological stuff. I'm literally in reality connected to God. I'm talking with a pastor's wife, a friend of ours. We were fellowship with them. This is a month or so ago. We're fellowshipping with them and they're facing some physical challenges. And they had heard me say something uh, uh, teaching here one time and uh, they asked me to clarify that. And what I said was this. I said, in confession of healing, I always say this. Heavenly Father, thank you that your spirit is in me. It's in my spirit. That Holy Spirit that is connected to my human spirit encapsulates God's healing power. Healing power is not out here somewhere, me trying to get it. Healing power is in here that by faith I release it. So I confess this, Heavenly Father, by faith and through confession, that healing power that resides in my I release it into my body in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I release it. By faith I believe I receive the effect of it. 
in whatever area I need healing in. Amen? She told me, she said, when you said that, it was like God said it. It was so profound. I never heard that before. Uh, uh, the first time I heard it, I almost thought, well, you can't say that. And then I thought something rose up my spirit and said, oh, yes, you can. You need to say that. You say, why? Because in Christ, we're healed. He is the head. We are the body. And listen, you may have a poor spiritual self-image. You say, well, Pastor, I, you know, you may be somewhere in here or in here or over. But I'm just the skin on the little toe of the left foot. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He still fills the body full of himself. Listen to the Amplified one more time. I like what it says. Which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills, fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure. Oh my goodness. In that body. No wonder the devil doesn't want you coming to church. No wonder the devil doesn't want you being a part of a Holy Ghost church. Because in that... Now listen to this. I believe in every church there is a measure. I mean in Catholic churches, Baptist churches, Methodist... Now there's not in cults. Cults are demonic. They are. They're demonic. If you ever had to deal with any cult members, you know how demonic they are. They're indoctrinated. Their minds are, are warped. And they've given themselves over you know, to a philosophy is what they've done. A, a, a spiritual or religious philosophy. But every church has in it a residue. Something. Uh, uh, when Leah's parents were still alive on a particular Christmas Eve service, they invited Leah and I to go to the Midnight Mass. And uh, her dad, when her dad was raised Baptist and never, never went to Catholic Mass with Momo very much at all, but he agreed to go. So it was Leah and I and her mom and dad, and we went to Midnight Mass at this beautiful Catholic church in the hometown in South Louisiana where she's from. So we go in there, and it's packed. They have this huge, beautiful choir, robe choir. They got that big, beautiful pipe organ, and they start singing these beautiful Christmas hymns. Oh, come let us adore him and all the... And I'm telling you, you talk about the presence of God. I mean, I was, I was looking around thinking, is anybody going to run? Is anybody going to shout? Is anybody? And then the priest got up and preached a message called the incarnate Christ. I'm, I tell you, it was all I got to sit on my hands. I wanted to shout. I mean, the anointing and the presence of God. And not one person in there knew what it was. You know what they thought it was? The Christmas spirit. It's Christmas time. We, we have that every... I knew it was the spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Listen, the Bible says whether two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right in the midst. So don't ever discount some, you know, some church. Oh, well, they're just dead. They may be dead, but there's still a residue there. There's something that can wake up in that church. Amen? Because he fills it full of himself. Now, with that in mind, ooh, where'd my time go? Let's look at one more. Uh, I might skip that one. Let me get to a good one. They're all good, amen? Go to... Uh, go to chapter 5. What's that? You need a great one, huh? Well, they're all great. How about this one? Husbands, love your wives. <laughs> That's pretty good there. Verse 25, Ephesians... Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it 
that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. Now listen, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, here, right in the middle of teaching on marriage, amen, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, brings in the church. Now, that was my time. Twofold reason. Number one, we've talked about this many times. The two divine institutions on the earth that Satan hates. Marriage between a man and a woman, amen, and the church. He don't want your marriage to succeed and he don't want you to succeed. He wants you out of your marriage and out of your church. Because those two divine institutions are protective coverings of relationship. Man and the woman, God and his children. So he don't want you in the church, he don't want you married. Amen. But now notice this, he says that he might do what? Present it to himself. You ever presented anything to yourself? Amen? Let's kind of put it... I read it in several uh, different... Have you ever went out and got something for yourself that you wanted? And you knew you could get for yourself, you had the finances, you had the ability to get for yourself, not the cheapo version, not the, not the you know, the, uh, the, the Walmart brand, but the Neiman Marcus, you know, needless markup. That's what we call Neiman, needless, Neiman Marcus. Needless markup. Amen? And you go in there... And you get it, and you take it home, and you pull it out of the bag, and you go, oh, nice coat, some garment, some technical thing that you want, and you present it to yourself. The reason you have the ability to present it to yourself is that you were the purchaser. Now stay with me just a minute. You were the purchaser. And when he's talking about making a presentation to himself, he's talking about you. In working in your life to the point that you become that which he presents to himself. Which people put that off to, well, one day we'll be a church without spot or wrinkle. We'll be a glory. That's not how God sees it. He sees us like that now. He sees us like that. Now, the purchase took place 2,000 years ago with his own blood. And what, what, he took out, what he took out of the bag when he got home was us. And he saw us in him. In him healed, in him set free, in him delivered. And he's been 2,000 years developing in the church. This is one of the most amazing you know, phenomenons, if you study church history and you're a, you're, you're a student of the outpouring of the Spirit that began in 1907 at Azusa Street in California and has progressed up until this day, you'll see that what we talked about, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, they didn't know what was going on when they were receiving all that power at Azusa Street. It took them years to catch up in the Word of God. Same thing with the healing revival. Man, they didn't, many people didn't even know about confession. They didn't know about faith. All they knew is, hey, when I lay hands on people, they get healed. I don't know how. 
God spoke to me or God put a gift. They didn't know that. It took teaching. It took development. It took him filling the body full of himself through information, through inspiration, through demonstration, and through the testimony or the reflection of it actually happening in our lives. Listen to this. There would have been no outpouring of the Spirit at Azusa Street in 1907 if people were not getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. There would have been no healing revival. Listen to me. If there would have been nobody healed. Now let me say that. This is very simple. There would have been no healing revival if nobody would have gotten healed. People said, well, you know, they talked about healing for 10 years. Nobody got healed. I mean, come on, you know. There would have been, people got healed. That's why they still write books about it. That's why they still talk about it. That's why all these great books, Christ the Healer, Jesus the Healer, Kenyon's writings, F.F. Bosworth's writings, all these great writers wrote about the great move of God, the great outpouring of the charismatic revival is the same way. If they wouldn't have come out of the denominations and been baptizing, teaching revival the same way. Same way. All of it had a, a manifestation and a demonstration that was reflected how? Through the body. Somebody had to say, look at that. Amen. That's so why I kind of hesitated to go because this could, this could go on. You say, what do you mean? It started on the day of Pentecost when God did what? Not birth the church, but empower the church. And what was the baptism in the Holy Ghost? It was God bursting into the sense realm. They were speaking in other tongues. They staggered out into the street like a bunch of drunks. They were moving. People were saying, how can these people be drunk? It's but the ninth hour of the day. And they preached that message. People could see God in them and God on them. There was a reflection of Him. The body, the glorious body of Christ that He feels full of Himself is you. So don't ever go on around thinking, I'm so weak, I'm so lowly. Listen, get that out of your mind. You're such a threat to the devil. The light that is in you and upon you, if you could just glimpse it in the spirit realm for half a second, would blow your mind. There was a guy that came to Lakewood that was a... He, he, he messed in whatever the occult religion of the Eskimo people up in Alaska or North Pole or whatever that, whatever that is, this guy was a practitioner of it and had all kinds of crazy stuff went on in his life, out-of-body experiences, and he was raising his son to kind of take his place as the, what would you call it, the witch doctor or the, the, the shaman or whatever he is. So he's raising his son to do that, and they had literally, the, the son testified to this at Lakewood. The father and son were together. They were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. But they would leave their bodies and go to these little hamlets where people, and put curses on them. Curse them. And they would go into one, and he said, out of this window, he said, this house, this light was just blowing. He said it was just, it was like, it was like almost water coming out of the windows, but it was light. Just like, and he, he turned to his dad, he said, what is that? He says, we can't curse those people. He said, who are they? He said, they're Christians. He said, when he saw that, he saw it in the Spirit. He said, when he saw that, he recognized, I'm not cooperating with the highest power on this earth. I'm, I'm cooperating with a lesser power. Because if I'm, if I'm operating in occultic power and I can't do nothing to them, they have power that's over me. If you only knew. You say, well, why doesn't God let us see? Then it wouldn't be by faith. 
Where you do see it is in the Word. Where you do see it is by the Spirit. And if you will do that, then you will begin to recognize and realize all the benefits of well, all the benefits of what God says belongs to the church corporately belong to you individually as the church. Thank God. You say why? Because we are a glorious church. Without spot. You say, what takes out the spots and the wrinkles? The righteousness that God has given us in Christ Jesus. I better stop or I'll I'll preach this. I'll preach this for two hours. This is good stuff. Well, raise your hands. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you that we are in Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us have a revelation in our hearts how important the church is, how important we are to the church, how important the church is to us. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, here at Island Church, those great prayers we claim out of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, Lord, especially as the church, that we would be sincere and without offense, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Thank you as we leave tonight for the provision that belongs to the church, that belongs to us. We thank you, Father. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We are blessed and protected. In the righteous labor of our hands, thank you for protection and safety that all we put our hand to prospers in Jesus' name. Thank you for the door of utterance. Let us go forth from this place being an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life, a problem to the devil. We leave tonight walking in faith and love toward you and love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.